guys too. I really feel, um, I really feel like, like God's Spirit is going to do something amazing in this conference. I really do. I'm not just making that up or saying that. And I feel that's from the Lord. And um, so if you, if you're a, a lady in here today and you don't want your life to change or something amazing to happen through God in your life, then just don't come. But if you really want God to do something amazing in your life, then please get signed up. Invite your friends. Invite your neighbors, whether they're believers or not. Um, our guest speaker has a tremendous gift of the Holy Spirit. She's, she's been doing it for 40 years and just is super sensitive to the moving and, and, and the working of God's Holy Spirit in evangelism and in growing. And she's made such an amazing impact on my wife's life. It's just been uh, life-changing, honestly, for my wife. And so encourage you ladies to be a part of that. You can sign up on our website. There's some flyers that look just like this if you need more information on the back table. November 6th and 7th, the cost is $40. Um, everything that we do as a church um, is free. So that means we never would ever prevent anybody from coming to anything or doing anything that, that if cost is prohibitive. So if you don't have the $40, you're welcome to come for free. Just let Lydia know. She'll sign you up and she'll, well, the church will scholarship you to come. The $40 is to try to help the church break even on the cost of putting together the conference. So um, that's that. And then also I, I want to introduce you guys to Matt and Diane. Would you guys stand up just real quick and wave? Um, God, has, God has called Matt and Diane to uh, oversee a ministry here in our church recently. They were doing it in their church in Hawaii, and it's just a great fit. So they, uh, we met this uh, last week. And we've been kind of up and down in this ministry and doing it, but they're going to oversee the usher greeting ministry. So that's the folks that that as you come in the door, they're going to help, you know, when new families come, take them to Sunday school, let them know about overflow, things we got going on, make sure people are welcome, make sure every one of you is greeted and loved as you come in the door. So if you'd like to be a part of the usher greeter ministry, I want you to see uh, Matt and Diane before you leave today, and they're going to write your name and number down. Um, so they'll be out in the foyer as we leave today. So maybe just right before the last song gets out, you guys beat everybody out there and, um, stop and talk to them. And they're going to, in my fancy usher greeter sign up sheet, put your name down. All right. Thank you guys. God bless you guys. And then also, um, just for fun, we, we try to do this from time to time. The men's, um, ministry is doing a pheasant hunt. So it's November 14th. It's $120 a person. Um, everybody that, all you guys that are here, if you want to go, you just got to sign up. Um, November 14th, $120 a person. Right now we got 12 spots, which will be two groups of six. Each group of six will have a guide with two dogs. Um, it's in, uh, just south of Tremont, north of Brigham City, city somewhere up in there is a pheasant hunting club up there about two hours north of here. So if you'd like to go, um, with us pheasant hunting, I got 12 spots right now. I have a feeling that'll grow to, um, I think it's 6, 12, or 18, and there would be groups of 6. So we can probably add up to about 18 if we get there. But I'll have this again with me out in the foyer on the way out. So if you have any questions, you want to be a part of that. And it's just good fellowship. One of the things, you know, if you're new or if you don't know a bunch of the guys here, sign up for something like that. And a uh, good way to, you know, just in one Saturday, you'll, you'll meet a lot of people and become friends with, with a lot of guys. There's no, um, I don't know that there's an age limit. So if if dads, you want to bring your sons, I, I'm pretty sure they're welcome. The only thing they ask, the hunt club they ask, is that those that we bring have a hunter safety course done. So um, as long as you have that. There's, and you don't require any licenses or tags or anything because it's all private land, private hunt. If you got questions on that, um, just just check with me on the way out. All right. How many of you guys noticed uh, 
that we have the parking lot kind of front rows blocked off when you came in. Do you notice that? Yeah. Some of you guys that parked there really noticed that, huh? Um, I'm not going to say a little exercise won't hurt you, but um, I'm just kidding. The, <laughs> the, did you see the boxes of food and milk behind there? Okay. So I'm super excited to announce this, but today we're going to kind of kick it off. We're going to see what happens. It's based on contract. There's a letter in the box personally from Donald Trump. So it's a food program that's a federal program that Donald Trump has instituted. Calvary Chapel of Salt Lake City has, um, they're, they're a hub. So Pastor Terry, who's our sister church, one of, he's not our sending church, but we kind of came out. This church was planted through Calvary Chapel, Salt Lake City, and through Pastor Terry. Um, so anyways, he, he, he's asked me and, and, and you know, encouraged me to get on board. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for our church, but it's based on a contract, a government contract. So we don't know. He was just telling me today or yesterday when I spoke to him, he, he, the, the end of this contract is coming up and he'll have to see, we'll have to see if it's a new contract. But as it goes, it's good food. It's not like, you know, we used to do food pantries and things like that. And you'd go to this big warehouse in San Bernardino back home and it'd be like this wilted lettuce at the grocery store threw away and. You know, this is not that. This is good stuff. There's there's milk out there. There's cheeses. There's there's meats. There's vegetables. So um, I have 23 food boxes. So a food box consists of a gallon of milk, a meat um, box, and then a, ve- a meat and cheese and a vegetable box. So what what I'm going to ask today is that um, you guys, as you leave, you can pull your car up. You can carry it out your car if you want, or you can pull your car up and we'll load you up. Um, that you'll take a food box, fill your fridge if you want. It's for you. It's it's a you know it's not from us necessarily, but we it's for you guys. So you take that. But also, we we want to use this to reach our our community and our neighbors. And so um, you know, take two or three boxes if you want. If if you'll take them to your neighbors, there's a there's a gospel track inside there, and also um, a, a little invite card for the church. And you know, we 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 went down on Tuesday and we helped the distribution down there at Calvary Chapel and. We brought some home, and I took some to my neighbors, and um, one of my neighbors, I could hear the kids talking inside. I hit the ring, so I'm smiling on the ring, you know, and, but I hear the kids talking, but I don't know if they had a rule they couldn't open the door or what. It was the middle of the day, so I just smiled at the ring and left. I left it on the porch, and, you know, a couple hours later, I look over across the street. It was gone, so they got it, um, but you can, again, we, we want this to be a gospel opportunity, so take it to your neighbors and use it as an opportunity to share the gospel with them or, you know, invite them to church or tell them about Jesus if you have somebody at need, and again, um, it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be for somebody that's, um, it's for you guys as well. So take what you want. We've got 23 today is all we could fit. If it goes well, and if it's something that we do and we get behind as a church next Sunday, I can get up to 50, um, food boxes for next Sunday. And then again, we'll encourage you guys to take them, fill your freezers, fill your fridges as you like, and then use them as an opportunity to, to give to your neighbors and pass out. Amen. And then with that, I do need some help. Um, on Sundays, we need two trucks to go down and, and back. you got to be in Salt Lake at 8 a.m. And it'll take you about, you know, 45 minutes to get there, about 20 minutes to load up, and about 45 minutes home. So um, if anybody's interested on Sunday mornings, if this continues, depending on how this contract goes, then we'll do that. And what we'll try to do as a church is um, Sunday mornings, encourage you guys to, to take, take this ministry into your neighborhoods. And then during the week, we're going to pick a day during the week. This week, it'll be Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Um, sorry, noon. No, 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock it is. From 1 to 3. So right here, I'm going to go on Tuesday, and we're going to get 50 food boxes. And so I would encourage you guys to, to pass that word, tell your friends, and then show up yourselves. Again, if you don't need this stuff, come, and, and I'll load you up, and you can you can go pass it out. You can go park in Walmart if you want. I mean, these are fresh 
and it's all fresh, you know, good food, milk included, go park in Walmart and sell the milk for two bucks a gallon or something. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> Sharon was like, <gasps> shock value. No, we won't do that. I'll say anything to get you guys to come on Tuesday. That's that's what I'm doing. So, But um, Tuesday, did I say, well, I said 1 o'clock, right? Back, back and forth. 1 to 3. 1 to 3 on Tuesday. So you guys mark that down. I'll put it on our Facebook. I'll highlight it. Um, so I encourage you guys to be a part of that. And again, um, I, I don't want anything left over. So make sure everybody takes a food box when they leave. There's 23 of them. A food box, I call it a food box, but actually it's two boxes and a gallon of milk can uh, consist of what a food box is. And then um, pray with me too, because again, this, this ministry has great opportunity. You know, uh, Pastor Terry said that, you know, for, for them, they kind of stole the Operation Christmas Child where we make the boxes and we send them around the world. He said it's the kind of same heart of this ministry, you know, that that for Operation Christmas Child, that if we do it through the food ministry, that every box becomes a gospel opportunity, you know, and, and, you know, he's a hub. So they're, they're working with like 40 other churches that they're distributing to, but he said, we won't work with anybody that's not using the gospel or using Jesus to, to, to pass out the food and to share these things, you know, and there's lots of good ministries out there. And as you guys know, when we look to be a part of something or, um, to, um, we're always looking for those that use Jesus to help people. You know, there's drug and alcohol programs. There's tons of drug and alcohol programs. But ones that we're interested in getting involved with and helping and serving and sending our people to are the drug and alcohol programs that are specifically using Jesus. Um, there's, there's great programs out there for our, our um, veterans who are coming home with PTSD. But we're looking to get behind ministries that are using Jesus to help our veterans. So, again, that's kind of where our heart is on that. Karen? Um, sure, sure. Oh, I was going to mention this. Um, we got these donated. They'll be out today. It's the Gospel of John, um, and it has a little track in it as well. This would be a great, um, great way to share the gospel through those those food boxes. Those will be out there. I don't know how many of these we have. Probably not enough that it's going to going to keep it up, but that um, you know you can use that. And then you know, as far as the Bibles go, to answer your question, uh, I'm down with it. You know, if somebody wants to donate them or whatever, they're about. Uh, decent gift Bible. I don't like to give away those. You can get them for like three fifty a Bible, but they're paperback. They're hard to read. I'd rather, you know, the ones we buy are about seven bucks a piece. That's what it would take to put a Bible in the boxes. All right. If you have any questions again on that, uh, you can see me afterwards. Um, and uh, we'll do it. But make sure you guys take some food on the way out. Anybody else? Anything else? Anything else? No? Oh, last announcement, too. Did I, I didn't mention the cafe yet, right? Um, so in the cafe, the coffee shop, um, let's have a heart-to-heart. You guys ready? Um, so our, our vision behind our coffee shop was always the same. It's singular. It's to promote fellowship. The reason why we, we designed the, the new design with the coffee shop was to encourage you guys to come early, to hang out in the, in the area. We have this back area back here. Um, that I'm hoping will turn into a breakfast hall on Sunday mornings where, you know, you can come early, you can come with your family and come with your friends. And, you know, and what it does is it just takes rather than, you know, when we first had our church, this was the entrance to the church and this was the sanctuary. So you'd walk into the sanctuary and then you'd walk back out. And, and one of the things that that didn't do was, was give us this space that God gave us next door where, you know, now people are hanging out, they're sitting on the couches, they're talking and it, it helps, it helps as a church feel and our church family. So with that, you know, we, we want to, we're always trying to promote friendships and fellowship and, and spaces where we can start to, to meet people and do life together. So important to our Christian walk. 
So that's the idea of the cafe. You know, I can't tell you how many times over the years, you know, you sit there and you see people walk in with Starbucks and Janas and person after person after person. Well, now you don't have to go to Starbucks and Janas. You can come right here and get it. Okay. So um, the, the coffees, again, they're $4 for the fancy coffees. We give away free coffee if you'd like free coffee. Um, there's still, you can just get a regular cup of coffee there. And again, if the, ch- the fact that we charge $4 for a coffee, if that offends you, then your coffee is now free. All you got to do is just go to the front and say, I'm offended that you're charging $4. And we'll, and we'll give you the coffee for free because it's not about the money. It has nothing to do about the money. We don't care. We're, listen, the design and the purpose of the coffee shop was never and is never to make money or to, to supplement our tithe or anything like that. It's not the heart of it. But it's just, you know, it's just being frugal with God's resources, right? There was a lot of investment to go into the coffee shop, this women's conference that we're going to do. You know, and that's the way, the way church functions. We charge $40 for this women's conference. It's not to make money. It's not to supplement our income. It's to, you know, provide a service for you guys and to um, pay for, the, for the, the event itself. You know, and again, if somebody can't afford it or wants to go, then, you know, we get that. So I just, and, and I know for most of us we're fine with that. But sometimes I think it's a little people get hung up on the, you know, the $4 for the coffee or this and that. And so, again, all that stuff is free. It's all free. All you just, keywords are, I'm offended by the charge, <laughs> and it's free for you. If it doesn't offend you and you just, you just see it as, you know, cause here's, here's the truth, right? And, and if, if you understand that, you know, our, our heart of, of who we are is, you know, part of, part of our goals is to give away our income, you know, to give away over half of our income. And we're, we're doing that. We're giving generously to, to different events and things. And, um, and so if, if, you're gonna, if everybody who's already doing it is going to Starbucks and spending five bucks for a coffee at Starbucks and then whatever the proceeds are extra on the coffee, where does it go? to liberal, you know, Starbucks, or if we make, by the end of the day, two bucks a coffee or whatever it turns out to be, and that money goes in to share the gospel, it just makes sense, right? All right, enough announcements. I told you guys I had long announcements, right? You guys need to stand up, turn around and sit down or something to freshen up? All right, I feel like we need to pray again. All right, you have your Bibles open to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, wait, I didn't know what it was. That wasn't what Amber told me to tell everybody. I got off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Pumpkin, spice, lattes, that's the special this week. So uh, Amber's going to be doing some specials in the cafe. Um, she wanted me to tell you guys spice, pumpkin, lattes this week or for a couple weeks, and then she'll be switching them up. And then also, again, with that, you notice, I don't know if you guys noticed, there's a new fridge in the, in the, in the, in the lobby there, glass front fridge. Part of the the vision that I have for moving forward is that we can serve continental breakfasts here on Sunday morning. So nothing fancy, but you can get a bagel, a yogurt, maybe certain days we'll do breakfast burritos or something. And again, what we're trying to encourage is for you guys to show up for a 10 o'clock service, show up at 915, show up at 930, get a coffee, get a bagel, bring your friend, bring your Bible, go sit in the the conference room, come sit at the tables and hang out and, and drink a coffee and eat a bagel on Sunday mornings. Um, and, and so that's kind of what we're trying to trying to encourage now that Josh and Amber are serving in there. Um, Amber has has a vision and she's ready to do it. So we're going to start serving um, food, selling food at, at a reasonable price, just continental breakfast type things um, on Sunday morning, starting next Sunday. So come a little early if you'd like to and get a bagel and a coffee and bring a friend. Amen. All right. I like it. All right. Uh, First Corinthians chapter 12. Um, 
where we left off last week. Now, just a little bit of recap of last, last week's sermon. We really didn't get into the chapter much. I did a setup, and I really felt like the, the, there was a reason that I spent so much time. I told Lydia after church last Sunday, I said, you know, Lydia is always my best critic, right? Because she's, she's the one that'll be honest. You know, some of you guys are so nice. I look around, I see faces. And some of you guys, every week as you walk out, you're like, good sermon, pastor. And, you know, it makes me feel good. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Whether I feel like it was good or not, it, it's good to hear that. But then when I get home, my wife always tells me the truth. And so last week I was like, man, I just really, I never even got into the verses. And she said, you know, actually it was probably good that, that you took some time and did this setup for the work of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I felt a little bit better after that. You know, pastors, we have, um, we PMS, post-message syndrome. And so uh, I was PMSing a little bit last Sunday and she encouraged me and she just said it was good for the setup. So as far as the setup goes last week, we tried to explain biblically and show the working the Holy Spirit in our lives through these three Greek words, these three Greek phrases, para, anybody remember? Para, and epi, that's the way the Holy Spirit, before you're a believer, he comes alongside of you, and then you invite him in, and then he, he fills you and baptizes you with the Holy Spirit, and he overflows your life. And so I, I demonstrated in my own life last week how um, God had those three functions of the Holy Spirit in my life. So today we're going to try to get just right to the, the verses I want to start with just one more kind of setup. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about last week in our recap was that the, the, the church's um, response to the work of the Holy Spirit can be two extremes. And, and here, and what I, what I think the Bible settles on, and I think what we can be dogmatic about and biblical about, is that the Bible's probably somewhere in the middle. But the two extremes are, one, folks say, and you'll hear this taught out there, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today. That once we got the canon or the Bible, then we didn't need those special workings of the Spirit. That the Holy Spirit was working in a special way because the, 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 the world didn't have the Holy Scriptures completed and, 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 um, at that time. And so that the gifts of the Spirit are not valid for today. That's one extreme. We're definitely not in that camp. And then the other extreme is one I demonstrated last week with the abuse of the, Holy, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the hyperactivity with the hyper-Pentecostal movement being slain in the Spirit and all of the um, types of functions that go with it. And I don't think that biblically that I land there or we land there either. Here, you know, I think what we'll find is that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are definitely valid for today and they function but they, they function as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where we'll get, and everything should be done decently and in order. You know, and, and I think that, I don't know where we land. You know, sometimes I think as a church that, um, are we lacking, are we missing, are we not seeing the gifts and the moving of the Holy Spirit? Are we, um, are we avoiding them? Are we afraid of them? Because, you know, what happened with Calvary Chapel, um, and I watched it, you know, I don't really have any, criticism of Calvary Chapel, but, you know, actually, it's just kind of the way that, that growth happens. You know, when you're small, you don't have a lot of rules, and you don't, you know, you can kind of function a certain way, but as you grow, what happens is you have to have more and more rules, and more and more rules, and it happened in Calvary Chapel, especially in Costa Mesa, when, as Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa began to grow to a mega church, and, you know, five services on a Sunday morning with 5,000 people in each of the services, they, they began to develop tons of rules because there were just so many people. And I think what happened, maybe not, no, maybe not intentionally, some of the function or the, the, the expression of the gifts of the Holy Spirit became 
kind of pushed off to the side or they, they had to kind of regulate them a little bit. And so, you know, we, we have, you know, more. I worked at Walmart for a little bit in the D.C. And when I first got there, the, the general manager was doing our onboarding. And he said something that just made sense. He said, you know, if, if you have a few employees, you don't have as many rules. You have more employees, you have to have a lot of rules. Walmart has two million employees. So we got to have a lot of rules. And it just made sense. So, um, you know, I think maybe we, I don't know, we regulated it too much. So just like to see us and you and me um, be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? All right. All right. Um, turn to Acts chapter 4 real quick. I just want to, last little preface uh, um, before we get into the actual scriptures. The reason why I'm highlighting this is because um, we demonstrated last week in the life of Peter. Now, three occasions with Peter. The first time um, we see Peter in the function of the Holy Spirit was in John 20. Remember what happened in John 20 last week with Peter and the disciples? Jesus was on the beach and he did what? He breathed on them and he said to Peter and the boys what? Receive ye the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, "Go um, go to Jerusalem and wait there for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So he had already received the Holy Spirit. So why then did Peter have to go to Jerusalem and the disciples to receive the Holy Spirit? They already received the Holy Spirit. Well, the reason why was because it was a separate function of the Holy Spirit that that Jesus was going to do. John the Baptist said, I baptize with water. One is coming after me and he will baptize you with fire. And so what was coming on Pentecost was the baptism of the Holy Spirit or that third... um, function of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He comes alongside you before you're a believer. He calls you and draws you. You respond. The Holy Spirit comes in you. And again, when you ask Jesus in your heart and you became a believer in Jesus, you got the Holy Spirit. And that's where folks say, oh, when I ask Jesus in my heart, I got the Holy Spirit and that's all I ever need. But that's not biblical because what we see is that there, there's another um, experience that we that we find in the Bible that God wants us to have with the Holy Spirit. And so that was in Acts chapter 2. Now look at Acts chapter 4 in verse number 6. I'm sorry, verse number 8. Acts 4, 8. You guys with me? It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and people and elders of Israel. So in Acts chapter 4, why is Peter, why does it say Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wasn't he given the Holy Spirit in John 20? Was he or was he not? Yes. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell and Peter began to preach the first um, Spirit-led sermon in history and 3,000 people got saved. And then we come to, I don't know what it amounts to, weeks, months later where Peter is there in Jerusalem and, and they're doing ministry. And it says Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit. So so this here is, um, it was a fresh filling. And, and for somebody who was, Um, walked with Jesus for three years, who was born again, received the Holy Spirit, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues, preached a sermon that was so powerful, being led by the Holy Spirit, that 3,000 people got saved, that a few days, a few months, a few weeks later in his life, in a moment, in an instance, as God was calling him to do ministry, God filled him with a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And and so what we find biblically is that we are constantly in need of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives. And, and that's what I want to encourage. Now, in, in Ephesians, if you'll turn with me real quick to Ephesians, in chapter 5. One of my favorite sections of Scripture. Look what it says in verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15. It says, See then... 
that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, this in the Greek, this be filled with the Spirit, it's present, active, indicative, imperative in the um, Greek, which means that um, it sh- in our English, it should read be being filled that and also that it's a command that it's imperative. That means that it's it's God's commanding us. He's suggesting he's not encouraging. He's commanding us as followers to be being filled so that we're filled and we're be being filled constantly with the Holy Spirit. You know, we pray and as believers, right, don't we, you know, probably one of the things I say in 90 percent of the times you hear me pray is, Lord, fill us with your spirit or give us your Holy Spirit. Amen. And so as people of the Spirit, it's, it's, it's biblical. And I just wanted to demonstrate that. I'm not trying to, you know, make any other point than that we need the Holy Spirit and that it's biblical for us to continue to seek that working of the Holy Spirit. And we do see where the Holy Spirit of believers who have been filled, have been baptized, that He comes upon them and fills them. Amen? All right, so it says in chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. You know, it's, it's God's heart for us to be united as believers, as, as the body of Christ. And I know unity is difficult. It's difficult for us to achieve unity with other denominations and other believers. And, you know, ultimately God's heart for all of us as Christ followers and really the work of the Spirit is to make us loving. You know, in all this, as we talk about these gifts of the Spirit, as we, we talk about the ways that God's going to use us, we, we understand and you understand and I have to understand that God's ultimate goal for your life is love. You know, that's why he's going to teach heavy on the gifts of the Holy Spirit in twelve. He's in chapter 12 here. He's going to go into chapter 14. He's going to refine the gifts of the Spirit. He's going to ha- hammer them again. He's going to key on gifts of tongues and how they work. And right in the middle of that, in 1 Corinthians 13, is sandwiched in the middle with this chapter about how none of this matters if we don't have love. You know, all this head knowledge and all of these things. And, and again, I'm somebody who thinks that we should be students of the Bible. And I can make a case of that, that you're to defend your faith and that you are to have an intellect that understands the word of God and the chapters and the verses. But again, the ultimate goal of the work of the spirit in your life and my life is so that we will love. And, and if it's not being manifest in love, we're missing something. You know, and, and I don't know how it is. I, I wonder sometimes if, you know, the work of the spirit in our churches and in our lives and if if we really understand that, that, that it is love, you know, that, that it's love. And, you, you know, the, the greatest commandment, right? They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? As you know, they were trying to trap him to trick him. Because, the, you know, if you think of what's the greatest commandment, you think of the Ten Commandments. But really, if you understand the law of Moses, the, that there were actually, the Jews had codified the law. And they, they, they numbered them from one to 600 and, I forget the number, 31 I think it is, 631 different commandments in, in the law of Moses. 
So, so if Jesus has 631 commandments to choose from, how does he say which is the greatest commandment? What if he says, don't murder? Well, then what about don't covet? And what about have no gods before me? What about adultery and all these things? No matter where he lands, he's going to miss something in the, in the commandments. So they really have him trapped. And how does Jesus answer what is the greatest commandment? He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. If you love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul, are you going to murder? Are you going to commit adultery? It's the only command that would cover all 631 as we focus on that. And then he said the second is like it to do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, by your love one for another, by this they'll know you're my disciples. How do people know you're Christian? By your t-shirt? By your bumper sticker that you wish you didn't have on your car sometimes? When you're hanging your hand out the window? Is that, how you, is that how people know you're a Christian? By your Christianese and what you say, Oh, brother, the Lord bless you, man. You know, the, 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 Jesus narrowed it and he said really that, that it's your love one for another. And just parenthetically, he's not talking about the way you love non-believers of the world. He's talking about the way you love the church, the way you love other brothers and sisters in Jesus. And that's what the world's going to notice. So as we get into these, again, these gifts and, and what Jesus is talking about here, there's diversities. You know, what happens in churches with diversities is that we, you know, we make those the main issues. and we, we have a hard time, myself included, I get it, you know, but we have a hard time because other churches and other believers, they have different opinions and different functions of the Holy Spirit and, and different understandings and they do things differently. And we, we tend to make those the issue and understand that those, this, these are not our enemies. By the way, you don't have any flesh enemies. The Bible says you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That you, the host of wickedness in heavenly places, that your real enemies are demonic and they're, they're, they're spiritual and, and they're battled through prayer and through the weapons of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and other beliefs and other systems, they're not, they're not our enemies. So again, it starts here with these verses that that there's, there's differences. One of the things is there's different functions of the Spirit. And, and the Spirit works through these gifts in different ways. One of the things I highlighted last week, and I love it, is the most recorded uh, miracle that Jesus does in the New Testament. Anybody take a stab? I told you last week. He healing, healing the blind people. That's recorded more times than any other gospel or any other miracle that he performs. And, and he does it different every time. You know, one time he, a, a guy receives partial sight in the beginning and, and, then, and then full sight. And then Jesus talks to about healing his spirit. One time Jesus spit in the mud and he, he made mud and he put it on the guy's eyes. Another time he, he touched him. Another time he just spoke to the, to the, to the blindness and it went away. And again, the, there's differences in diversities, but Jesus was the one who performed the healing in all. And so there's differences in diversities. And then Jesus said, or the word of God says here in verse number 6, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of this Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. You guys can come with me or just hang out. I'll be right back. First Peter 4.10. Um, so as God distributes gifts, those gifts for you and me, um, and we all like gifts, right? Everybody loves to receive a gift. But the gift that God gives you, it, it is for you to give it away. It is for you to use it for the profit of the body or to serve the body of Christ um, collectively. In um, Peter, he's talking about this same thing, and I like the way that Peter puts it. It's kind of very, uh, it's succinct and just 
makes sense. First Peter 4.10, he says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So as you've been given a gift, you're, you're to take that gift and use it to bless others and to minister to others. And so in verse 7, again, back to 1 Corinthians 12, it's for the profit of all. And chapter 8, he says, To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. And we're going to go through these one by one. Last week we, we counted them. I asked you guys to pick up fingers as we went through them. There's nine gifts that are listed here. But how many gifts of the Holy Spirit do we find biblically? It's really it's hard to it's hard to to really put a number on it. I don't think you can. I don't think we have like a concise list. I know in uh, in Romans chapter 12 is another place where gifts of the Spirit are listed. Ephesians chapter 4. If you count all those there, you come to like 18. There's other places where things are mentioned. So it's I don't think anybody can really put a number on what they are and how they all are. But here we have nine that are listed. So let's just walk through and look at the nine. We know what they're for. We know the way the Spirit of God functions. So let's take yourself, for example. I don't know where you are in your para and a P. Maybe you're not a believer in Jesus Christ in here today and you're a seeker. And again, you know, you don't have to believe like we believe to be welcome here. You don't have to believe everything I say. We encourage you to come and to grow and to learn. And maybe you're still deciding and the Holy Spirit is alongside you. Maybe you've already decided and you've reached a point in your life where you've surrendered your heart. You've surrendered your life. You've asked Jesus, Holy Spirit, to come into your life and the Holy Spirit is in your life. Maybe for you, you've been walking with the Lord. You've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you're somebody who wants your life to be given over to the ministry and the service of of Jesus. And just seeing Jesus use your life in whatever way that means. That doesn't mean necessarily you're going to full-time ministry or you have to be a pastor or a missionary i mean you can do what you're doing and god can can still use your life for for his glory and so um as that happens god's going to begin to give you gifts that you need to to be a witness right when the holy spirit comes you shall receive somebody power right and that power that the holy spirit is going to give you is so that you could go to the gym and lift four plates. If you wish. That power that the Holy Spirit is going to give you, the Bible says, listen, listen, directly. It's to make you a witness. Not so that you will witness, become a witness, do witnessing, but it makes you a witness. It's who you are. Your life is, is a light. Jesus said you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And so your life is becoming and it is a witness for Jesus Christ. And so the power of the Holy Spirit, now that power, it manifests itself in gifts. It manifests itself and God gives you gifts that you need. At the very end of this chapter, he's going to say, desire earnestly the best gifts. Well, what are the best gifts? Well, it all depends. It's all in context. The best gifts are the one that you need for your function. For me, the best gift is the gift of teaching. It's the one I use most. It's what I need. Maybe for you, it's a gift of evangelism, the gift of help, the gift of um, hospitality, of of, of grace, of whatever it is, mercy that, that you need in your, in, your, in, your, in your ministry and in your life. There is a mention of prophecy and of, of desiring and seeking the gift of prophecy. Sometimes when I think of that, I read that verse, I often come to the, the gift of prophecy. But the best gift and the gift that you need is in its context, right? If I told you, hey, wear your best shoes. Well, that, unless you have context, you don't know what your best shoes are. We're going to go play tennis. Well, your best shoes are probably not your dance shoes. 
if we're going out on the town, you probably shouldn't wear your work boots. You know, and so the context is of best is, is, is in the context. And so the best gift is the gift that, that you need, that God gives you in that moment to, to complete or do the ministry that God's given you. So again, back to um, verse number eight. Let's, let's look at these real quick. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. Now, when you guys think of wisdom or gift of wisdom, who do you think of biblically? Immediately? How about a son of David? Solomon, right? Because Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived, you know. And so, um, you know, Solomon was so cool. Solomon was given, and he made a lot of mistakes in his life, you know. But Solomon was one of two people in the Bible that was given a blank check by God. Solomon and Moses. God gave Moses a blank check. He said, Moses, anything you ask, I'll do it. What do you want? And Moses said, Lord, I want to see you. And then God passed by and he covered him. And, and, and again, when you love somebody, what do you want? You want to see them. You want to spend time with them. You, if you're dating, and you know, what do you do when you're dating or you're courting? All you want to do all day long is be with that person. Spend time with them. You spend all day with them. You know, when Lydia and I were dating, this was before cell phone days, you know, we'd spend all day together. And then we'd get home and we'd get on the, the landline. Some of you guys don't even know what that is. And then we'd lay on, on the phone until 3 in the morning and drool coming out of my mouth and phone hanging off. And we talked because we just wanted to be together. Because, and so Moses, because he loved God, when God said blank check, he said, Lord, I want to see you. And then Solomon was the other one we find in the Bible. And when he got a blank check, he said, I want wisdom. And so God said, Solomon, because you asked for wisdom and not riches and gold, you know, because he would have given it to him. Solomon could have said, I want, a, I want a bridge to Hawaii and a mansion when I get there with piles of gold in it. But he, but he didn't ask. He asked for wisdom to, to lead God's people. He said, because you asked for wisdom, I'm not only going to give you wisdom, I'm also going to give you riches and gold. And Solomon became the richest man that ever lived. But he, 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 he wrote the Proverbs, and he, he wrote so many, some of the books in the Bible of, full of wisdom. And so you think of this. Now, with Solomon, I want to just preface that he, he, his gift of, of wisdom was a little different because it was kind of permanent, you know. And I think with some of these gifts, what we're going to find is some people may... Um, I don't even necessarily know that anybody possesses, well, I guess you can, you can possess a gift where you have it, but a lot of times what you see is that it, it functions where it comes when you need it. The gift of healing, for example, we're going to come to that, you know, gift of miracles. I, I don't know anybody that just has a gift of miracles where they can just heal people. Like it's just something they just can do wherever they go. You know, you see these crusades of people who come. I went to one when I was, when I was a young believer, it was a Benny Hinn crusade. And they would advertise that people would come and get healed and they would bring people in wheelchairs and they'd pick them up out of their wheelchairs. And I mean, one of the problems with, with particularly with some of these, these crusades is they don't have one documented healing. Not one, not one documented legitimate, this is the x-ray before, this is the x-ray after, bona fide healing. Now, I will say, people do get healed there. But it has nothing to do with the guy smacking people with his jacket and shaking them and throwing them over. And, um, you know, because I went there and God touched my life there. But I'm in the top row of this big arena and all this weird stuff's going on down below. And, you know, and I'm just talking to God and I'm sincerely seeking God. And, and even in that venue where some, some weird stuff is going on, God is still honoring my prayer, right? The Bible says that if, if you as an as a, as a earthly father know how to give good gifts, how much more will your father in heaven give gifts? So I'm not going to be there seeking God, begging God, talking to God, and go, oh, here's a rock. You know, chew on this. He's going to give me what I ask. And so I'm genuinely seeking the Lord, and even though I'm in this thing. But 
you know, for some of these guys, like if you if you have, if you possess a gift of healing, then why are you going to have crusades and charge a twenty two ninety nine to get in and pass in a KFC bucket? Like what kind of person are you? Like if you really have that gift, why don't you go to the hospital and and empty it out? Why don't you go walk through the children's hospital and start touching lives in there if you if God has given you a gift of healing? So in that, and, and as we go through these, and, and like, they, they, they're not always something that, you know, you just have. It's something that God does when he needs to in a season. Maybe the gift of teaching or, you know, the gift, certain gifts are different. But like with the gift of wisdom, it can come. God can give you cues. So the second one, we've got to move a little bit faster than we are. Um, in verse number eight, the other, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. So wisdom and knowledge, I think, are kind of very close and, and sometimes maybe hard to separate. We know that... Um, Knowledge is information. Wisdom is what? How you apply that information. You know, some people are very, very, very smart. Some of the smartest people in history, though they struggled socially, or they struggled with functioning in life. You know, you'll hear stories of of some of the smartest people in the world, Einstein and all these guys, where they didn't do well in high school. They flunked out, and they didn't do well in social structures, but they were brilliant minds. You guys know anybody like that that is just so, 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 so brilliant? and could quote it, just knows all information, but maybe is a little awkward in other areas. So knowledge is, is, is the book information. The wisdom is how to apply that. And they don't always necessarily, you could be the smartest guy in the room, but if you lack wisdom, you know, you don't know how to, how to apply that. Knowledge is the wisdom, I'm um, wisdom. Knowledge says the stove is hot. What does wisdom say? Don't touch it. How to apply that knowledge to, to our lives. And so um, sometimes a gift of knowledge, gift of wisdom. I, I remember uh, in a board meeting, uh, we had a missionary that uh, was overseas for a while and we were supporting them, um, sending them money. And they came to a, a board meeting in furlough. And out of the blue, in the middle of the meeting, Pastor Gerald looks at the missionary and to everybody's surprise, he says, You've stolen money from us. Matter of fact, you have $25,000 in a foreign bank account that you're not even using for ministry. And the guy was like, Pastor Gerald said he got a word of knowledge. The Lord spoke to him in the meeting that the exact dollar amount, where it was, and that, that the guy wasn't using the money that we've been sending for missions. He was, he was keeping it for himself. And so it was just a supernatural word of knowledge. Sometimes for moms, you Christian moms, God ever tell you something about your kids that like just supernaturally God just gives it to you? And so we, we, we have where, you know, God will just bring a word of knowledge or, you know, a, a, a time of wisdom when you need it. And so pray for those things. Ask for those things. If something's going on in your life, and you know, ask God for that word of knowledge, that word of wisdom. And then as we go on, it says, to another faith by the same spirit. You know, this, this church has been given the gift of faith on many occasions. You know, we have in our, in our short history have been called by God to really step out in faith in a couple occasions. And when we, you need it, God will give it to you. You know, you think of the faith of, of the people in the Bible and the things they did by faith. And, you know, Hebrews chapter 11 and the different things of faith. You know, I want to encourage us in this, in this particular gift of faith. It's something that is a gift and God will give it to you when you need it. Sometimes you think, man, if I only had enough faith or, you know, I'm struggling or I'm lacking. But listen, it's a gift. And when you need it, God will give it to you. And, and, and so many times, just this, this supernatural gift of faith. You know, it's something that we sought. 
you know, something that we do, we just ask God to do. And God started just really supernaturally giving us opportunities to step out in faith. I can remember telling our church, you know, and, and what happens for me personally as a, as a, you know, as an upcoming, you know, I was an assistant pastor for so long and then a senior pastor. Well, one of the things that happens is, you know, you, you tell all your, your senior pastor's faith stories and all the things that God did in his life as you're teaching, you know, and I got to the point where I'm like, I'm tired of telling everybody else's faith stories. God, you got to give me some. Got to give me something where I had to step out and, and we had to do something. And God started doing it. He started giving us these amazing opportunities of, of just where we just had to step out in faith. You know, one of them was, one of the first big ones was when we, when we first, when I first planted this church, there was a wall right here. There was a ceiling about the height of that, the, the, the white there. This was the entrance. The room was like 17 and a half feet wide, 100 feet long. This is where we started the church. This was a beauty, a dance studio. That was Sweet Pea. And then on that side was the uh, medical supply place. So we rented this side. When we rented this side, it was $2,400. They wanted, it was 1200 a month. They wanted first and last. We had $2,200 in the church account. So Lydia and I wrote a check for, the, for 400 bucks. We bought, loaned it to the church um, at the time like, so, so that, that I could write the first check and not go into the red. So technically the church was $200 in the, in the red. And um, on, on a, I, the first Sunday, we, we didn't have anywhere to sit. We had like 65 chairs that could fit in here. We had about 70 people show up on the first Sunday. And God had already been speaking to me that we were going to need to rent this side, which was coming up. But we had no money. So I call the guy to, and he's in Salt Lake, and he's a busy guy, a business guy. And so I, I set up an appointment for Monday, and I was like, come up on Monday, and let's negotiate because I want to rent the other side. What am I going to negotiate with? Like, I have no money. I have minus $200. I'm totally wasting the guy's time because he has to drive all the way from Salt Lake out here to meet with me. But I knew God was speaking to us. You know, I knew God was, was, was telling me that we, and, and that we were going to need this other side and to, and to rent it. And so I'm kind of stressing as it's going on. The meeting's coming up on Monday, and the guy's coming out, and I'm going to try to rent this side. We don't have anything that we need. And that Sunday before, so on Monday he's coming out. That Sunday I get a call from a guy. And he had called a couple times before, and Lydia's like, hey, this guy called it. Are you going to call him back? And I was like, oh, I didn't get the message. So I text him, and he says, you don't know me? but I need to meet with you tomorrow at noon and you'll understand why. And I'm like, what? I'm like, all right. Lydia's like, are you going to go? I was like, yeah, I told him I was going to go. So I kissed my wife and my kids goodbye, you know. <laughs> True story. And I, and, I, and I meet with this guy and we meet out here first and we go over to the uh, Greek restaurant right here and we sit down and he starts asking me a bunch of questions about the church and he didn't come to church here. He wasn't from Tooele supernatural and he, he starts asking me what my personal opinions are on tithing and giving and and these kind of things and before the hour lunch was over he handed me an envelope and he said don't tell anybody where you got this and don't open it till you get home so i said okay so i i i didn't go home i couldn't wait to go home because the church was closer so at the time i was just the church so he left so i came to here and i'm standing right about where that guy's sitting and i opened the envelope and there's a check for forty thousand dollars in it now, again, that was just, but God had already given us the faith to step out, to rent the other side, to do these things. So now I can go to this meeting on Monday like, yeah, like I own the place, you know, but, but it, was a gift of, it was a gift of faith. It was a gift of faith that I needed to, you know, already make the commitments that we were going to do this. When we decided to buy this building a couple of years ago, God kind of worked the same way. 
you know, when it was time to, to purchase the building and, and have our own space that we're not leasing. Because, you know, a church like this size, one of the dangers is as we were leasing for so long, for five and a half years, tomorrow they could say, hey, your lease is up in 30 days. And by next Sunday, where do we move a church this size? You don't, you know. And so now we don't have that, that over our heads anymore. Um, so that gift of faith. And again, God gives it to us as we need it. And, and um, let's go on. And then it says in verse number nine, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit. Uh, we talked about healing a little bit, that gift. And again, I don't think anybody necessarily owns that gift. I think some people probably have exercised it many times because God has given them that gift. But, um, you know, we've, we've prayed for thousands, thousands of people over the years to be healed. And when my mother-in-law died from cancer, Literally, there was a, over a million people praying for her. You know, it was through, through all the Calvary Chapel networks. And then through one of the Calvary Chapel networks, there was a um, missionary who was serving in China that had a connection to the prayer ministry of the underground church in China, which is millions of Chinese um, in, in China. And they assured us that they got the word to this prayer ministry in China about Cindy and her cancer, and they were praying for her healing. And, and so as a church and as a, as a world, we prayed, and, and God took her home. And, and I can remember somebody that was close to her, you know, and it was a believer. And they said, why, why did we pray for God to heal? We prayed and God didn't heal. Should, should we just not pray for God to heal people? And, and I can remember, you know, just being broken for that person's heart, but knowing that, that the scripture encourages us that we pray and we ask God. You know, you know ultimately, what, what did happen to Cindy, who died from pancreatic cancer? She was healed. She was absolutely healed. Did she have cancer today? No, she's probably surfing somewhere, you know, with Jesus, hanging out, riding, shooting stars through the galaxy. And, I mean, she was healed. She received her glorified body and either we're healed or we're healed, but according to the grace of God. But because we prayed for so earnestly for her to be healed and God chose and because of God's sovereignty not to heal her, it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to pray for people to be healed. That we continue to ask, we continue to pray. And in God's sovereignty, some are healed and others are healed. Some are healed now, some are healed later, some are healed in heaven. The Bible says that by his stripes we are healed. And so it's a promise that we have. We've seen tons of bona fide miracles. You know, if you read through the book of Acts, it feels like every second there's a miracle, a miracle, a miracle, a miracle. Like, man, this church was like 14 miracles a day. But really, as you go through it, the book of Acts takes over like a 30-year period. And you find about 30 different miracles through the book of Acts. So really it's about one a year. (coughs) And, And really, you know, as we, as we pray for folks, we've seen many, many people where God has supernatural healed them. I've received a supernatural healing from the Lord. You know, so we ask in faith, we believe. And, and here's the hard part. Here's the part I try to tell people all the time. By the way, um, we're, we're praying right now for um, JR. JR is, is, is a part of our church family who's in ICU with, with uh, uh, COVID. Had some really, really rough reports this week that were very ominous and scary, like, like he's going to lose his battle to, to COVID-19. Um, just not responding in the hospital and the updates I got on Friday weren't good. And then I got a, a wonderful update this morning. I was so encouraged um, that, that he's, he's had a good turn. He's responded. Things have gotten, got, gone well over the weekend. And there's, there's hope now that, that, that he'll respond. And so, again, he's still, amen. So he's still fighting. But let's, let's pray for his healing now. Father God, we come before you and we thank you so much, Father, for JR. And Lord, as we continue as a church family to pray for this member of our body, Lord, that you would heal him, God. 
supernaturally, Father, that you would touch him and heal his body and raise him up to health, Lord. And Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to tell you the the, the, the place we need to believe, be as believers is um, whether God heals somebody or not, that we say to the Lord, but I trust you either way, right? That we know that whether God does it or doesn't do it, that God is still good, that God is still sovereign. God has a plan. And that's the hard part in life, you know, is to say to the Lord and know that, God, we're going to trust you no matter what. In J.R.'s case, who we just prayed for, who's, who's really, really in a battle for his life, and a week ago, two, three, four days ago, didn't sound like he was going to make it, and today there's hope that he will. And, you know, either way, whatever God does, we're going to trust him. And we're going we're to continue to serve him and continue to walk with him and continue to pray and ask God for the, the gift of healing. Because God still heals, heals today. And I think that's important for us to understand. Amen? And then he goes on and it says, um, To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. And to another, discerning of spirits. To another, kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. So we have the gift of prophecy. Now I want to just say that um, prophecy is, is not always telling the future. You know, prophecy is... Um, it can be, it can just be encouraging in somebody's life. You know, it can be speaking to somebody. We had a, a prophecy that was given here in our church recently that was so cool. We had a young man, hey, do this. Turn with me to um, Mark chapter 6 while I'm telling you this story. Mark 6. So we, we had a, a, a young man here in our church who was um, serving in some ministries here and um, he just felt like God was telling him to um, take a break. He needed to, um, he had lots of things going on in his life. He needed to kind of prioritize and, and fix some things and straighten some things out in his life. And so he had pulled back from some ministries and some things he was doing and, and serving. And he was having just a hard time with, you know, is God, is God in that? Should I be doing these things for the Lord? Am I, am I getting this right? Did I hear the voice of God? You know, and, and really struggling internally about the decision and the feeling that he had that it was that he needed to just pull back from some things and take a season to rest and 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 take a season to refocus and and he was just personally in a little bit of turmoil about about his decisions and his walk and we had a woman here in our church and she felt very strongly and she doesn't know him she didn't know his situation but God gave her a word a prophecy a word of knowledge a word of wisdom whatever you want to call it kind of all fits for this young man and she just felt like God was compelling her to go and tell him and deliver this message to him. So she comes on a Sunday and she says, God told me to just tell you this. Mark 6.31. That was it. You should have seen this guy light up like the 4th of July. When he read this verse, it says, And he said to them, Jesus speaking, Come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they did not have time to eat. And it was just confirmation from the Lord that he was where God wanted him to be. And, and, and so just an encouraging word that just came. But she was obedient to deliver that word. And, and if God's given you a gift of uh, a word of knowledge or a prophecy for somebody. You know, the main thing I would just caution in, in prophecy, and, and I, I pray that we would function as, as, as this did in our church. You know, that, that function of the work and the gifting of the Holy Spirit, I desire that for all of us. You know, how would you like it to be going through something and have someone at church who doesn't really know you that well to come up to you and just speak into your life truth and, and, and 
and that they really heard from God something for you that encourages you and changes your life. And so for all of us, if God gives you a word, if God gives you a gift of the Spirit, it says it's for the body to be willing to share that, to be willing to, to, to put yourself in a position to receive that, first of all, and then give that and encourage with that. But in prophecy, um, you know, the important part is, first of all, that we stay humble. You know, there are those that in the gift of prophecy, and I've had it happen to me a hundred times, and they'll come to me and they'll say, God told me to tell you, you know what, it's, you know what the Bible says about the gift of prophecy? That one should prophesy and that others should do what? Should judge. Judge the prophecy. See if it's from the Lord. And, and, and right, in the gift of prophecy, if somebody comes to you with a gift of prophecy and, you know, God told me to tell you, you need to be serving in Sunday school. Well, when God tells me I'm supposed to be serving in Sunday school, then I will. You know, because what God does many times through the gift of prophecy is he works on both ends. He's already spoken to my You know the words of prophecy that I've gotten that have really changed my life? God had already spoken to me. And, and when somebody came to me and said, hey, I really feel like I have a word from the Lord for you. When they spoke it to me, it was something God had already been speaking in my heart, so I knew it was true. And it resounded. You know, and so, but I encourage you guys, step out in that. Use that gift. Desire that gift. Speak. It's one of the most powerful gifts because it speaks life to people and encourages people. It changes people's lives. Just be humble with it. You know, I, I, don't, I don't ever go to anybody and say, and I don't care how strongly I feel about it. I usually say, hey, listen, I feel like I heard the Lord tell me for you. Or, hey, I want to I gi- just give you something that I feel like God gave me for you. But I, I, I'm not telling you it's from God. I'm just telling you this is what I feel. I'm just trying to be obedient to what God spoke to me. But I want you to process this through your own filters, for you to decide if this is God and, you know, the Lord to know. But, God, you know, I had to go to somebody one time. God told me to go to a guy in our church and tell him uh, to give $10,000. He didn't like it when I got to him. Maybe it wasn't from God. I don't know. Maybe God spoke to him later. I don't know what the end of the story was, but I was convinced that I, and it was kind of somebody I knew nominally or whatever, and I was just, you know, assistant pastor, children's pastor at the church, and, and, I, and I went to him because I, was, because I felt I was obedient, and I said, listen, I'm sorry, I don't know, you just take this, I don't know what it's for, where it goes, or what it is, but I felt like God wanted to tell me that, that you're supposed to give $10,000 to this, whatever, and it wasn't specific, just that's, that was the word, and I left it at that, and like I said, at the moment, he didn't receive it that well, so I don't know how it turned out. There was other times, and many other times, you know, I was at a men's retreat, and God gave me a word for one of the brothers at the men's retreat, and it was, you know, it was a call that he was lukewarm, and that, that, that he needed to return to his first love. And so I had to go to a brother. In this particular case, it was a senior, senior brother, somebody who's older than me. And, you know, the Bible says to, you know, the way that I'm supposed to deal with that situation. So I went to him in love. And, and again, I said, you know, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. And I'm not telling, but I'm just trying to be obedient to what I feel like God told me to tell you. And, you know, I went to Revelation. I said, this is what I feel like God gave me for you. And it turned out wonderful because he said, yes. And, he, you know, he wept. And he said, God has already been speaking this to my heart. And that, you know, you confirm that through prophecy. When, when God called me to preach the gospel, I went to a service and a guy laid his hand on my chest. It was kind of awkward, you know, for me in the beginning. You know, I was a new believer and this guy wanted to pray for me and he puts his hand on my chest and, 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 and he begins to prophesy over me and he confirmed that God had called me to preach the gospel and immediately it resounded and I began to, to weep. So, hey, we're just about out of time. So, the gift of prophecy to another, the discerning of spirits. And so, discerning of spirits, eh... I just 
caution because sometimes I think, you know, I had a brother say, oh, you know, I, I can look into somebody's eyes and I can, I can discern what kind of person they are. No, I don't know that that's necessarily the way this gift functions. But I think there's, there's a gift of discernment of spirits where, you know, you just have a sensitivity to a situation. You, you know if something's off, if, if it's not the Spirit of God, and you can feel that, and God has given you this gift. And again, that gift can come and go where, where you need it in a moment, and, and God gives you that gift to discern a situation or a spirit that's not of Him. And to another, different types of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, I'm glad I'm out of time because in chapter 14, where we'll be in a couple of weeks, Paul is going to key in on the gift of tongues, and we'll unpack it when we get there. Um, with, with particularly how that gift works. And then it says, But to another the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, really important, the end of verse 11, as He wills. Okay? Who gets to decide what your gifts are? God. And, and how does He give them? As we'll see in the rest of this chapter, He gives them so that as a body we function well, and that, that He gives them as He wills. And just be you. What are the gifts that God's given you? I think I told you guys last week about one of my pastor friends who, in his church, he uses a gifts of the Spirit test to, to help discern what your gifts are. And I think that, that can be helpful. I don't know how accurate those tests are, so I haven't necessarily used them. You know, the, the test, I've told you guys this before, this is true, but, you know, the way that you naturally respond, I'm, I'm closing again with this, the way you naturally respond to a situation, it, it, it tells your gifts. For example, if... Um, if I ask somebody in the back to bring me a glass of water and they're walking down the aisle here with a glass of water, not bottled water days, glass of water, and they trip and fall on the floor right here, break the glass, the water goes everywhere. The way that you would respond to that situation naturally is part of how God has gifted you. Maybe somebody would get up and and they would have the gift of mercy and they would say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, are you okay? And, And feel bad for them. Oh, don't worry. When I was a kid, I did that and I fell and it was embarrassing. And maybe somebody with the gift of prophecy would say, I told you so. Maybe somebody with the gift of teaching would respond to that situation and say, oh, well, what you should have done was taken a paper towel, folded it twice, wrapped it around the glass, held the glass with two hands and walked left, right, left, right, left, right, you know. Somebody with the gift of generosity is going to do what? They're going to get out their wallet and they're going to go, oh man, that glass must have cost $5. I'm sorry, here's, here's $5. You know, you're going to have to replace that glass and, and, and so on and so on. You know, somebody with the gift of, of mercy or somebody indifferent. So the way that you respond to these situations naturally. Now I'll just say, because I think it's super important, is that God has given each one of us a gift. Here's where we make a huge mistake in the church. Maybe your, your calling is prayer. Maybe your gift is generosity. And, and what happens is the person with the gift of generosity who got out their wallet and gave $5, they're mad at the person with the gift of encouragement because the person with encouragement only tried to encourage the young man to not be embarrassed and tell the story of how they fell. And so the guy's like, well, why don't you get out your wallet, the generosity gift? Why didn't you get out your wallet and give him five bucks? What's wrong with you? Because that's not my gift. Don't be mad at me. Don't look around and, and you know, we see things only through our gifts. That's the, the unity that God wants in the body, is that let everybody exercise the gift that God's given them, and, and, and you use yours. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Okay, we're just going to close today. We don't have a last song. So, um, again, the food boxes on the way out. Please do not leave without taking a food box. 
If you want it, it's yours. If you want to take it to your neighbors, please take it to your neighbors. If you want to carry it to your car on the way out, we'll be out front to, to pass them out. If you want to pull your car up, um, pull your car up and we'll load your car up. And then on Tuesday at 1 o'clock, 1 to 3, we'll be here. If anybody wants to help me on Tuesday, talk to me after church and we'll, uh, we'll get that going. Father God, we come before you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, so much for this day, God. Father, I thank you for your spirit, Lord. We thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I pray as a church, Lord, that we would exercise the gifts of the Spirit. We know they're for today. We know, God, that you still heal, that you speak words of wisdom and words of knowledge. We know the gift of tongues is valid and for today. Lord, we know that, that, that we need these functions and that we're supposed to be being filled with the Holy Spirit every day in our lives as believers. So continue to fill us with your Spirit. Continue, God, to give us opportunities to exercise the gifts of the Spirit, to edify the body, and to be used for your glory, to make us witnesses for Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray over the food box ministry. And Lord, this is the beginning of maybe something that that you're going to do to to bless folks here and use us to be a part of that. We thank you for that. Lord, help us to be good stewards of what you've given us and moving forward that we'd continue that, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.